0: And welcome to Story X Story, the podcast by my matter that dives deep into stories across pop culture and gives you advice on creating your own. It's episode 167. We are back with a new season. It's season six. They said it couldn't be done. I don't know who said it couldn't be done, but someone said it couldn't be done, but we did it. Um, We're here and I'm your co-host, Nigel.
1: I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host.
0: And as always, we're bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices and to help us out today with all the intricacies of racing and uh, racing simulators that I know nothing about. We have tech guy, well, former tech guy, um, at least former <laughs> wow. takeout for us uh, <laughs> and current sim racer uh, Ben, aka Rayo Okana Ben, welcome back to the show because I know you've been on once before. I just couldn't remember which one. You've I been
2: can't on. remember. I, it was a video one because I remember using my webcam. Yeah, I can't remember exactly which one it. Oh no, that was it. It was about. Um, uh, I think it was about it was a roundtable. It was a round table about esports and gaming diversity. And how it affects uh, how to get young people and people of lower income brackets to get them into gaming. I remember now.
0: Okay, that sounds like something we do. So, all right, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll dig that one out of the archives and, and put that in the show notes. But welcome, welcome back. Thank you. And also with us is also an expert in um, everything we're going to be talking about is content creator Muki Panda. Muki, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining. I should say welcome back because you've also been on the show we did we did a thing at insomnia so we did a, a very much a live recording of a podcast that was fun <laughs> um so you joined really us fun. there yeah and i'll put a link to the audio because we put out the audio of it um on the on the podcast we basically are just like i think at one point we're just dragging people in to uh, <laughs> to jump on this thing i can't remember if you were the one of the people we dragged on or one of the people that we planned uh, ahead of time but either way, thank you for joining us And for listeners, you can subscribe to Story X Story wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also send us your feedback and questions in a variety of ways. Uh, You can send us a voice message on our Spotify for Podcasters page. You can email us. We are studio77 at myamada.com or the traditional way, just chuck stuff at us on social media. We are at myamada.com on what everyone still calls Twitter, at TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. And you can also join our Studio 77 Discord to be part of the Mayamada community and consider becoming a Studio 77 member to support the work that we do at Mayamada. So before we get into today's discussions, we're going to update you with the latest from the Mayamada universe. <music> This is the first episode of season six and I wanted to remind people that over January we had uh, a bunch of rewind episodes so you can check that out from our International Future Summit that we did in uh, December as part of the do I look like a gamer campaign? And then for the end of season five, just wanted to let people know we had a couple of special episodes. So we had our best of episodes, which features all the best bits and a ton of bloopers from the recordings in 2023. And uh, Tazzy, you said you were like halfway through that or some something like that. Yeah, I
1: haven't quite yeah. finished it yet. I just yeah, started over it's like a lot there. over the sort of break and over the beginning of the year, and then. Uh, yeah, it's a long episode. It's very,
0: yeah, yeah. A, yeah. I, I, I still had to make some hard cuts in that, in that edit.
1: It's a lot of fun. I feel like maybe we need to, I don't know, we need, oh, we do have somewhere we where we can put some of that extra. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's, a,
0: there's an idea for the membership so yeah that was a uh, so sort of fun one to listen back to and you can just kind of dip into it so there's that there's also 2023 wrapped uh, and that's where tazzy and i give our top five stories of the past year so that'll be 2023 it's a painful process for tazzy but she did it uh we did it
1: i'm getting better
0: yeah to be fair you did yeah you 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 made some decisions and yeah there was some there's some growth there's so watch i'll listen to that for our picks and some personal growth from tazzy uh, so for the manga stuff, we have a brand new Kickstarter, which is actually live. So I spent a lot of time talking about this. We had to push back dates, just priorities changed. But Origins Against All Odds is now live on Kickstarter. And uh, if you are listening to this close to when the episode goes live, you can still get involved and back the campaign. So the story is part of what will be an ongoing Origins series, which sees the real life um my matter team uh, turned into anthropomorphic characters in the universe, uh, and a short story told about how they made it to the universe. So we're starting with Tazzy, or a reflective, hope-filled manga about pursuing your creative career goals in the face of heavy resistance from doubters and the world around you. So hopefully, something that will resonate with people at different stages of that creative career journey. Oh, uh, God, so <laughs> uh, Yeah, hopefully that's. Uh, I'm hoping. Yeah, that's the idea. So at the time of recording, we're over sixty percent funded on Kickstarter. So we're making that push to one hundred percent, and the campaign will end on Monday, the twenty-sixth of February. So Kickstarters are all or nothing. So you have to get through at least one hundred percent, or you get nothing. So definitely check out, check it out, and if you are able to, uh, consider backing the campaign, and you get a reward. Um, So it could be like the book, uh, collected edition, and we've got a cool uh, cover design. In the works for that um could be some artwork we've got some exclusive artwork there or even the chance to be drawn into the story as an anthropomorphic maya Mata character uh, so check that out the link will be in the show notes or you can just search against all odds on kickstarter uh, you can also get the titles uh, that we've already done in the Maya Mata universe on our website so from samurai chef to what is still at the moment the latest series through the fog they're all ages stories set within our shared universe. Um, and I mentioned the Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, the diversity and inclusion campaign that we launched in the video games industry to challenge negative stereotypes around the word gamer and showcase pathways into games for young and aspiring talent. So it's now a yearly initiative, which means a new snapshot of 40 players and makers to showcase representation that does exist as a way to inspire future generations of diverse talent. We are starting with the campaign 40 photo shoot so this is where we get together our 40 players and makers and because we are pre launch there's still an opportunity to be involved so if you think there needs to be more of you represented in video games then head to the campaign website looklikeagamer.com and there'll be a link uh, to check that out so again depends when you're listening to this but It's not just people who work in games, it's a mix of current games professionals, also people who aspire to be games professionals, but also people who just like playing games because we're looking for representation across the industry and wider culture as well. So definitely check that out and once we've got that together and the launch plans in place, then we'll be able to share more about the events that take place over the year. But you can also check out the International Future Summit from last year's campaign so we ended that with a look at the future of the games industry and uh, we had different segments in the live stream so the audio for each segment is on the podcast feed right now and then we're going to be putting the video from each segment up on the My matter youtube in the coming uh, weeks. so you can check that out before we launch this year's campaign uh, and yeah we'll be back with some announcements so stay tuned look like a gamer.com and we'll have more soon We have different activities on our Twitch channel. So Studio 77 is our digital platform where we play games for your amusement and we host different shows with creative professionals from different industries like comics, video games, and animation. Over the coming weeks, here's what you've got to look forward to. We actually just did the February Studio 77 report. That is where Taz and I recap the latest My Matter announcements and event news in a live recording on Twitch. And then we edit a version basically without without the bloopers, and that goes up on YouTube. Uh, We have Casual Conversations with Comic Creators, which is a monthly series where I talk to a different comic creator about the craft of making comics. Uh, So we'll be back each month, usually on the first Tuesday of each month, but it can shift, so just follow us on Twitch. And for February, I have just spoken to uh, Chloe Stalin, who is part of the Whip Comics group. And also winner of the 2020 Manga German Manga competition. So going to be talking to her about that, about the craft of making comics, about Kickstarters. Uh, And that was on Tuesday the 6th of February. And you can catch uh, each month, again usually the first Tuesday, um, from 7.30pm GMT. And towards the end of each month we like to play games. Sometimes well, mostly not. Ah, uh, this month we are playing Adopt Me on uh, Roblox, which is uh, apparently a fan favorite. So we're going to be playing this game where basically you have to you breed. Wait, there's no breeding in this, is there?
1: I mean, you have to hatch it from an egg, but you don't. Yeah, I knew there's I knew the there's something with eggs.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, the the breeding happens in the background or some somewhere. So, but <laughs> you take you take care of your pet. Uh, you raise them, you uh, submit to their will, basically. That's what I remember. They just like demand stuff from you and then Yeah, they
1: like demand you take them camping. Like with to the friends. park. Yeah, camping.
0: <laughs> what? Yeah, well, this is uh... Uh, th- this is
2: this is sounding r- kind of weird, you know. So you know I, it's, adorable, it's very boy. weird.
0: it's, we it's, it's actually it's kind of fun. Friends.
1: Can I come too? It's kind of fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's adorable.
1: It's, it's adorable.
0: It is it's fun. So we're gonna be playing that. And if you heard all that and you want to get involved, and you are a young aspiring creative professional, or you know one, then check out the My Matter Showrunners Work Experience Program. So um, we started this last year, and we're giving opportunities for young people aged 16 and up to work with our team across comic production, events, and content creation. And we got a few people with us for this month, and they're getting a. I, I'm going to call it like a crash course in like creative industries, but they're yeah, they're picking it up. They're picking it up. Um, so, now you're all caught up with the My Matter Universe, let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week.
1: So, this is a part of the podcast where we like to have spoiler-free discussions about what everyone's been playing, watching, reading, and we will start with our guest. Um, so, Miyuki, do you want to go first?
3: I haven't watched a lot recently because of a game that came out recently that I've been addicted to which doesn't really involve a story um so I don't really want to go into that too much but I did watch one movie and that is um you know the creator that came out I think late last year oh Um, yeah, the one about like AI and stuff and it was really interesting actually I don't want to go too much into it just in case I do give spoilers because I'm the worst for giving spoilers but it was very good and I enjoyed it a lot
1: yeah, do you know what? Do you know who actually recommended that to me recently? Or in October specifically? Um, Lau. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh Comic-Con mentioned it.
3: Yeah, it is really good. It, it he is said really nothing about it story. to me and it's interesting well that's because he <laughs> wasn't at comic-con
0: well i saw i just saw him i just saw him. like yeah he was at
1: comic-con that was a comic-con conversation
2: fine fine <laughs> uh, is that a tinge of jealousy i hear <laughs>
1: yeah. um but yeah it's it's it sounds pretty good though
3: it is really good i would recommend it i would genuinely recommend it another thing that i just remembered as well i rewatched watched arcane and i also Ooh. um that fans. was that wasn't That wasn't this week, though. That wasn't this week. Purely because I wanted to watch the Dota 2 anime as well. Mm. And, like, it wasn't as good, and I was really sad because I'm a Dota player.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it's not great, and it's just there on my watch list. It
3: wasn't bad. I think, like, as a Dota fan, I enjoyed seeing characters that I've been playing, like Mirana, Is in it, and I feel like that's not a spoiler because I'm not being funny. She's in the game, but it was really (laughs) nice because like for a while I did like she was my main, so I was like, oh, this is really fun. I'm like really enjoying the fact that like I'm watching her and this kind of thing. But yeah, it wasn't amazing. I did get distracted a few times, unfortunately, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad. I personally prefer Arcane. I didn't rewatch all of Arcane. I just watched like little clips and stuff before watching it. But yeah, it was it was fine. I prefer Arcane. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's fine, but wasn't Arcane? I mean, yeah. nothing really is Arcane. It was is arcane it? <laughs> <that's> an actual masterpiece. <laughs> second season's out this year, isn't it? Yeah, end of the year, I think. Still have such a long time to wait,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's this year.
1: Yeah, that's the good thing. Look forward to it. Oh my god, I'm going to have to re-watch Arcane like so many times beforehand.
3: I definitely will again as well.
1: Yeah, it's so good. I love Arcane. Anyway, um, let's not turn this into an arcane podcast. (laughs) Sorry, my bad. I I, I said
3: the curse word, sorry. (laughs) But Ben,
1: if you want to let us know what stories you've been enjoying.
2: Right. So um, I suddenly remembered like three weeks ago that I actually have a Crunchyroll account, which is uh, always useful. So like me and the wife of like started watching uh, the newer and Kenshin anime I never watched the original but so it's been fascinating watching that one and stuff like that and sort of like cross-referencing with a couple of things so that was nice mm. so i've been, also started uh, watching banished from a hero's party so i decided to live a quiet life <gasps> in the countryside so. yes <laughs> It's been excellent. My god, I just want to say Rit is an amazing character. Oh my god. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> I've been watching that, and then I've been watching Kawaii Dake No Junai Shikimori-san, which is uh, Shikimori is not just a cutie. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is actually pretty good. So so I've been giving that a watch. Um, I did go back and watch... Uh, Izaki-chan wants to hang out as well. Give that one a go. Oh, and I've been watching MF Ghost as well. Okay. So. Which is interesting because I think MF Ghost is a pretty on theme for this podcast, actually. Which is it's the um, spiritual successor to initially. So, oh. so I've been sort of watching like a combination of things recently. So that's been my set basically.
1: I mean, um, <laughs> banished from the Hero's party. I decided to live a quiet life in the countryside is on my list. <laughs>
2: did you watch episode five that came out on sunday right uh
1: i have not i think i am on
2: because season two is currently uh airing at the moment
1: yeah i think i'm on episode i I watched episode two of season two
2: okay you i do find the character shift from the character focus shift uh from season one season two makes a lot of sense Yes, i'm curious to see how a lot of the a lot of the older characters are more a bit more established in season two because yandrila is an amazing character and she's much more apparent in season two mm. and also obviously with with the the little sister and stuff like that so be curious yeah. I'm, I'm happy to i'm happy to keep watching
1: same i was because when season one finished i was like oh but i only finished i finished it just before season two came out so then i got the notification that season two was out i was like yay (laughs) this is like such a good anime because it's like kind of chill but also not because there's challenges like
2: (laughs) the whole thing with like towards the end of season one with like uh with aries and stuff is sort of like a a lot of it is sort of you, you there's a there's a sort of, there's sort of disturbing social aspects that sort of go going into play towards that, with mm-hmm. the terms of expectations and how the responsibility of one is very debilitating on the human psyche and stuff like that. And it's very sort of towards the end, it's sort very sort of like oh, it's, it becomes very human towards the end. But, yeah, um, it's actually got me interested enough that I'm actually gonna start picking up the light novels and start reading them. Ooh so um i do plan on doing that i can't some of them are translated so i'll give it a go i can find it if it's in japanese i'll just do it anyway i don't care
1: (laughs) i'm gonna do this from like so that's the longest title in my what i've watched recently (laughs) i'm gonna do it by title length order um so i also watched i'm the villainess so i'm taming the final boss um which is uh fun and like sort of um, transported into a romance game type thing it's a fun one and then summertime rendering which I watched because my friend gave me their Disney plus because they already had Disney plus and they got a free membership whatever you don't need to know that bit (laughs) so my friend gave me Disney plus over Christmas so summertime renderings on there (sighs) time mechanics oh my Nigel you need to watch it Time mm. mechanics. It is You
0: had me at time mechanic.
1: I really enjoyed the time mechanics in it, and that's without spoiling, that's all I can say. Okay. <laughs> really really enjoyable, but like it was each episode was like really cons- I don't know, concise, compacted. A lot happens in each episode. Like there is not a wait there is not a wasted minute, I don't mm. think. I don't feel I like, like there was a wasted minute. Like all of it was very good storytelling. And you're just like the the story is building up as you're going through it, and it was a, it was a wild ride. It was really good. I really really enjoyed it. So did a dog I was looking after at the time, apparently. And then I watched Akumakan on Netflix, um, which is like an um, a magic investigator. That's the only way I could explain it <laughs> without spoilers again.
3: That's on my watch list. Is that good?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed it. It was like fun, but like. I don't know, how do I explain it? It was like Sherlock. if Sherlock Holmes was a kid and it was magic. That sounds really fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it is, but it is really fun. And then Arte. Oh my God. Nigel, again, I think you should watch this. I don't know if you want to watch it before or after writing the manga because it was a proper like, inspiring story about... Someone following their dreams and a, a character called Arte who wants to do art but she's a woman and it's not it's not the it's not well, dumb no thing. It's not the dumb thing. A woman a woman artist in Renaissance France, like that's that's not a thing. So it's it's about like overcoming obstacles and following her dreams, but it's really good. Okay. <laughs> and then also we went to see we the preview of Colour Purple. Yeah, uh, and early screening cool in Colour Purple oh my god it was so good the songs in it were so good <laughs> I am an absolute sucker for a musical and that was a but good just, one it was a good one it was a good one and such move, Like it was so moving and so beautiful and such great representation of queerness in the black community I think
0: yeah very I was going to say uplifting story but it's not it's not all uplifting but yeah. it's uplifting through very difficult like personal and just the times like difficult challenges personal and like outside of that as well yeah. but just persevering through yeah that,
1: that uh yeah that's good i think like there you go yeah help field yeah but yeah that is my long list of long named okay yeah. that,
0: think, uh, that that's what happens when we take a recording break <laughs> so we knew this was gonna happen welcome to season yeah. six
1: nigel was a long list of things that we (laughs) missed over the recording break (laughs) Uh,
0: so i've got i've got things i'm i'm i know i've forgotten because just before we recorded i was like, oh yeah watch that but uh so i've mentioned this before but i just got a chance to play more games uh over christmas and put in uh, a bunch of time or at least relative for me a bunch of time on ori and the will of the wisps so this is a metroidvania uh game so i'm playing it on uh, pc and it's it's just fantastic. I, I think this might be one of my favorite games of all time just Warrior I is have, a
2: classic to be fair it's is. Is an
0: absolute classic. it's so there's so much joy in playing this game um, <laughs> for a genre that when I started so when I started playing the first one, I thought I wouldn't necessarily be into it and I just remember within it kind of been more than 90 seconds I was just like, I'm gonna like this game. This is just something about it. It's so well designed. The art style is just fantastic. The story is, it's one of the stories where it's not like plot heavy or anything. It's very really light in that. But it just, it frames everything so perfectly. Just everything fits together in terms of like game design. It's just, just fantastic. I I literally have nothing <laughs> negative to say about this experience. And, and what's great about it is that, like, I don't have much experience with Metroidvanias, but and I know, like, sort of frustration is is part of it and, and dying and retrying. But what I find is amazing with this is that I've never, having played the first game and what i played so far of this one, I've never felt, like, even when I get stuck in bits, I've never felt it's unfair. Like, I've always felt I know how to do this. It's just a case of, like, I can't just yet. So I need to practice and do it over and over again. And that's quite a hard thing to, to pin down. So uh yeah and it's just um the last bit i left is one of those it has these big um so it has these big boss battles but also has these like sweeping scenes where you've got to like traverse the the map before some kind of massive thing bowls down on you and you have to like really like you can't make a mistake otherwise you have to do it again but it's so like fun to do it's so exciting it's just a fantastic game so highly recommend it can't can't say enough good things about that also been playing spider-man 2 i think i'm at the end um so I think Spider-Man uh, 1, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2 is just a great trilogy of, of a game. I mean, I already like the Spider-Man franchise, but just the way they've done it in the games, I think it's some of the best Spider-Man stories, full stop, in recent times. Uh, obviously, I haven't read a whole bunch of comics, but particularly for the, the MCU stuff, as much as I do like that as well. Um, but yeah, the game's great. won't say too much, but I think uh, I mean Venom is in the trailers and things like that, so you know so where that goes. Uh, what I will say towards the end, because this is a... This is a this is a game that feels like a game and i know it sounds obvious to say but there's as much as i like it there's points where it feels very gamey and i feel that takes away from the narrative a little bit which is again an interesting design uh, game design kind of consideration but overall i, I think it's a it's a great game uh, great experience uh so was a couple games that i wanted to highlight i've been watching um a bunch of things but to highlight a few, Godzilla Minus One. So friend of the show, Victor Luca from Mega City Comics, I was in there recently and he said, you need to go watch this film. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I've, I've heard of it. He said like, no, 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 you need to go <laughs> and watch this film. So I was like, okay, cool. I will actually go and watch it. So I went to see Godzilla Minus One, which is is just basically Godzilla, which is why I wasn't so convinced when he first said it. However, it Turned out to be a really great film. And what was fantastic about it is, without spoiling it, it's something I feel um, the MCU could learn from because it's essentially a story which has a completely CG villain but still manages to capture like a human story that resonates and leaves you thinking about it after the story is done. So yeah, the, the main character is... Like relatable, he's 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 done something. I won't say too much, but he's done something that is relatable, and then has to deal with it in the context of fighting Godzilla. And yeah, just the way they've they've captured like the human element of that story is um really impressive. And the special effects aren't bad, uh, which some of the Marvel films have suffered from. So it can be done. That's all I'm saying. It can be done. Maybe you have to. Reduce the, the my films release, but that's a whole other discussion.
1: I might have to add that to my list. I do like a well-told Godzilla.
0: Yeah, is is very good. I was, I, I was genuinely surprised. I actually, I messaged him after, like, yeah, this is very good. I've also been rewatching something. I don't often rewatch things. I'm actually, I'm pretty bad at that. But I am rewatching TV series Peaky Blinders because I need to watch the final season, and it's been a while since I watched the other So I'm just so I'd go through it all again. So it's a British series um, created by Stephen Knight, and it's one of those uh, period crime dramas. And if you've been watching this or listening to this podcast long enough, I'm kind of a sucker for like anything like crime drama or sort of gangster shows, because they're really business shows uh, when you think about it. So I'm really <laughs> doing research. <laughs> um, but this is a show that follows the Peaky Blinders gang in Birmingham. And it's starring Killian uh, Murphy, and it's about. It takes place after the First World War, so it's this guy who's come from the war back home. His home happens to be sort of leader of this uh, of this gang, and also it's just got great performances, including mentioning Killian Murphy, uh, Helen McCrory, who I actually met some years ago and sadly passed away. Can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but fairly recently, which was. Yeah, but yeah, she's great in it. Everyone's great in it. And what I like about the show, it's like I say, when I say it's a, it's really a business show. But so this character has such ambition, and he's essentially a small business in the context of this like of gang warfare. And his ambition just sees him rise, but also see the consequences of ambition. And I'll I'll leave it at that. But it's just such a well well told story. You want to follow the characters. You are caught in all the. Yeah, the relationships um tom hardy is in this at some point but yeah it's just is one of my favorite uh favorite shows and yeah business i'm learning so anyway <laughs> um and then the last thing i will mention is a show called the brother's son which is i don't know if anyone's seen this it's pretty new
2: mm. no i have not i
0: haven't
3: either
0: it, it popped up on netflix I, so i'm just looking it up so it premiered yeah uh, this year so in january just popped up and the trailer the trailer got me so i was like this looks interesting it has um michelle you and that was kind of i think that was kind of it because like if she's in it it must be good so i'll check it out
1: oh some good faces in there
0: yeah um so it's this it's kind of it's about this kid who kid bruce who they live in california he lives with his mom who's uh, michelle yo and his world is turned upside down when his brother charles visits and um there's some basically uh gangster stuff Uh, there's a theme here if you can tell but he he just yeah his life is turned upside down by this but it's very much about family and protecting family and what you do to protect family it's funny it's uh, it's a mix of drama but then it it gets quite uh, serious actually i wasn't expecting that when it gets into the themes of family and what you will do for family and what you're called to do for family specifically so yeah i recommend that it's it's really good i enjoyed it
1: that sounds fun
0: yeah and that's my relatively long list of things that i'm enjoying tune in next time for part two and i'll throw in (laughs) some more stuff but we got a a film to talk about so those are the stories that we've been enjoying now let's get to our main story discussion Today we're going to be talking about Gran Turismo, the 2023 biosports film directed by Neil Blomkamp from a screenplay by Jason Hall and Zach Balin. It was produced by Columbia Pictures, PlayStation Studios and 2.0 Entertainment. It's based on the racing simulation video game series of the same name. The film stars Archie Madekwe alongside David Harbour, Orlando Bloom and some others that we're going to get into. So This is the spoiler section of the podcast, so we will get into like the details of the film and everything. I will do a recap, but first, let's get everyone's quick take and general impressions, starting with our guest. So, Miyuki, uh, what did you think about this film?
3: I really, really, really enjoyed it. I'm a sucker for anything racing, really, especially racing movies. So Gran Turismo really caught my eye, especially how it's based on a true story. And again, it's the whole like overcoming obstacles and achieving your dream. Mm. I feel like that's a really good plot point and a really good story for anything really. And um, I just really, really enjoyed this. I liked how they went about keeping it as accurate as possible with keeping a good story, if that makes sense, but I'm sure we'll get into that stuff later. And the um audio in it was incredible. Mm. Um, I was really lucky and I got invited to an early screening at Sony. So had okay.
0: um, a VIP treatment.
3: Yeah, it was amazing. They gave us pizza. It was great. Um Ooh. and um obviously, the sound is gonna be a lot better if that makes sense. And you could hear like the different sounds of the different cars and like just the different tones. I don't know if that's the right word, but basically you could distinguish different cars. And I, I like engine sounds as well. I like cars. They go broom broom. Um, and it was just really, really good. I couldn't get over like just the sound of it all. When I went and watched it again in the cinema, it was still really good, but it didn't compare to watching <laughs> it at Sony, unfortunately. I was like, oh my God, it's ruined the movie for me. But no.
0: <laughs> you were spoiled.
3: Yeah, this, the sound was just incredible. And... It was just a lot of things about it that I really, really loved.
0: Oh, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So, <laughs> um, Ben, how about yourself? Um, what did you think of this film?
2: I actually had a lot of fun watching it. Obviously, some bits were quite dramatised and whatnot. So I found some bits quite relatable. The specifics in terms of the, the, thing, it'd be the things that they cover, like the sort of story beats that they cover, because I'm actually a big fan of uh, Jans Marsborough as a driver. I actually followed him when he originally okay. when he originally completed gt academy i was actually following him back then he's actually one year younger than me which is weird and um i remember i used to watch his races so for example did the, the whole plot point with the le mans 24 hours that day towards the end i actually watched that live
1: wow, oh, wow. so i
2: have a cool. i have a very clear understanding of, of of how that went uh spoiler alert it didn't exactly go to plan but um uh, he actually competed in two Le Mans 24 hours. So the ones that the story refers to is actually his second one, not his first. Mm. But we'll get back into that later. So obviously, there's um, they sort of swapped and moved things around for the taking creative liberties for the aspect of it's a screenplay. Um, what's also interesting is a Gran Turismo player, it's also fascinating what parts of the UI they've taken from the game, put into the movie and stuff like that, a lot of references and stuff that they use on things and whatnot the original gt academy was actually on before gran turismo 5 came out actually so it's interesting seeing that they've replaced gran turismo all of the content stuff from gran turismo 5 to gran turismo 7 all of the content that you see in the game is all all based from gran turismo 7 so it's interesting seeing that sort of on the sort of change um, yeah all the contrast and stuff like that and also Mm. it uses the a lot of the categories of class of racing is all most of my favorite stuff so they're driving stuff like the gt4s and gt3s gt GTRs. the le mans cars was interesting because i correct me if i'm wrong they they were not lmp1 cars they were actually either lmp3s or dpis and i wasn't be it wasn't able to tell and there's one thing i
0: can guarantee in this podcast i will not be correcting you ben (laughs) (laughs) i mean that sounds right to me i
2: thought
3: i agreed with you but i thought i was just like i thought i was wrong but now hearing it from someone else as well it kind of makes sense
0: so what it what it sounds like you're both saying is that we picked the right people to guest on this episode. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I'm hearing. Um, <laughs> to, uh, Tazzy, uh, can you bless us with some uh, technical racing knowledge? What did you think of this story?
1: Yes, yeah, so much technical <laughs> knowledge. The uh, the cars went vroom yeah. um, and some people won races. Like it was <laughs> very <laughs>
0: That's the kind of insight people tune into this podcast for.
1: <laughs> I was blown away by this film. I, so I watched it earlier today, full disclosure, classic Tazzy last minute watcher. And I cried so many times. Aww. At first it was just getting me like watery eyed. And I was like, oh, and then in sort of like halfway through. I... I was like, that's, I can't, I can't not cry. And just on so many layers, like Mm. the stakes were high, but not just in one area. There was like the emotional stakes. There was the like life threatening stakes because, you know, fast cars driving dangerous. (laughs) There was like the, the like dreams, the stake of the dreams and like the weight of that on his parents. And oh my God, like, There was like everyone had stakes in the in this working in in this whole marketing (laughs) scheme (laughs) working (laughs) like and I just love that it started off as like, oh, this would be a great idea to to market cars like this. (laughs) And then by the end, it's like everyone is like everyone that's part of it is like, no, we gotta make this work. Like (laughs) this is this is an all-in situation. It's like it's we're doing this, there's no other option, kind (laughs) of thing. And
2: to be fair to you, Tazzy, that is basically motor racing in a nutshell. It is used to market cars, so yeah, you're not wrong.
1: (laughs) And um, And I just, oh, it was so moving. It was so fun. And uh, do you know what? I love and hate when I watch a good racing film because it suddenly gives me, like, the bug of, like, now I want to know about cars and... I want to play racing games and I now want to go on a racetrack. Uh, <laughs> is it time to take and you e go-karting? Yeah, oh, let's go go-karting. That'd be great. This, let's
3: do it.
1: This is the exact effect that Ford versus Ferrari had on me. And I feel like...
3: That's such a good film too.
1: The, it's such a good film. Really good film. And of course, the, the kind of like... The paramount part of that is also Le Mans. And so that's how I knew about Le Mans virus <laughs> because <laughs> I'd watched <laughs> Ford <watches> Ferraris. Yeah, <laughs> I know like, one more reason?
3: Yeah, go for it. Rush. It's about oh, J- so James Hunt and Nikki Lauda. And it was like such a good rivalry. It was so amazing. You need to watch that. I'm not going to go into it too much, but it was very, very good.
1: Yeah, no, that has been. Recommended to be? Did I? I might have ended up r- watching it. I think watched Rush. Did we? We thought about watching Rush after Borden <laughs> versus Ferrari. I don't know if we actually did watch it or not. I can't remember, but I if can watch it again it, I, it, I was gonna say watch it again. It's worth
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I watched it like three times.
1: <laughs> uh, oh it's just wow. Yeah, like I, I love that that racing is like this team sport that doesn't look like a team sport from the outside
0: hmm that is uh yeah a lot of love for this i i so i give my opinion and so full disclaimer sometimes i like to give the story of how different stories ended up on the podcast uh, list um so i was not going to put this on a list i had awareness of a gran turismo film and um i had no idea how they would make a story from uh, a racing game just be honest so didn't did not have it on my radar at all but i watched a i was actually watching something i think it's a kind of funny stream and they played the trailer on their stream and um, because uh, again we've spoken about this on the podcast that uh, we're not don't always necessarily look out for trailers so i don't always catch them so i wouldn't have seen this but saw it and i was like huh i see a story here whether it's a, a good story or not we'll get into it i i actually enjoyed it but yeah there was a story and it was a, an underdog story so that convinced me to be like, I think soon after that I might message Ben. I'm like, we might put this on the uh, on a podcast uh, <laughs> schedule. That's basically the the origin story of where we where we are now. <laughs> so eventually, then watched it and was imp- I was impressed with with what I saw. I wasn't sure how well it would be done, but I do like a good uh, underdog story, and as well as the the racing aspect, which I'm not even going to try and emulate anything that Ben said. Um, but from any... <laughs> oh, <a, wow>. so <laughs> From a storytelling perspective, I like that underdog story, and then also I like the, I guess, the meta story that was told about like video games and the validity mm. of video games and the <sighs> perception of video games in wider society. So I, I like where that came from in different, from different angles uh, as well. I want to
1: co-sign that because I forgot to mention that, and someone did yeah. ask me like how how it was, and that was one of the things I brought up. I was like, I liked how like yeah the angle that was brought up with gaming as well
0: Mm. so yeah
1: film has so much in it (laughs) there's so much in
0: it we're gonna we're gonna get (laughs) into it so yeah
1: it's so good
0: so like i said i will do i'll do a quick recap and then we'll dive into it so this is a story that takes us to cardiff where teenager jan madenborough plays a lot of gran turismo and wants to become a racing driver despite the obvious disapproval of his former footballer father steve Following a pitch by marketing executive Danny Moore, Nissan established the GT Academy to recruit skilled players and turn them into real racing drivers. Danny recruits former driver-turned-mechanic Jack Salter to train the players. Jack is initially hesitant, to say the least, but accepts after tiring of the arrogance of his team's driver, Nicholas Kappa. Jan soon learns he's eligible to join the GT Academy after setting a time record for a particular track. The night before his race, Jan is invited by his brother Kobe to a party and they go in their father's car. Jan flirts with his crush, Audrey, before the party is broken up by the police. Jan escapes after their friends are pulled over but are caught returning by their father. Jan is then taken to his father's place of employment the next morning in an attempt to be taught a life lesson, but he leaves early to join the qualifying race, which he wins, earning him a place in the GT Academy. At the Academy camp, Jack puts drivers through their paces in various tests which sees 10 competitors now down to five who then compete in a final race to determine who will represent Nissan. Jan narrowly wins the race against the American Matty Davis. So Jan must finish at least fourth in any one of the a series of qualifying races to earn a professional license and contract with Nissan. He finishes last in his first professional race and gradually improves over the next few races before not finishing in his penultimate race in Spain. He then travels to Dubai and achieves a 4th place finish to earn his licence. Jan's first race after signing is at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. He starts the race well but the front of his car lifts into the air at a corner, hitting a barrier and launching into the spectator area. Jan is airlifted to a nearby medical centre and is informed that a spectator was killed in the crash. When Jan is reluctant to return to racing, Jack takes him back to the crash site and reveals that he was involved in a fatal accident at the 24 hours of Le Mans, which led to Jack retiring from driving. An inquiry clears Yan of any wrongdoing, but professional sentiment begins to turn against sim drivers. In response, Danny decides that a sim driver team needs to compete at Le Mans and finish on the podium to prove their viability. So Danny enlists Matty and Antonio from the GT Academy to make up three-driver team alongside Jan on race day. Jan's father apologises for not being supportive of his passions. So we see Matty and Antonio complete their first shifts without issue, but problems during a pit stop cause Jan to lose several positions. He uses lines learned from playing Gran Turismo to regain his position, and the final lap sees Jan pitted against Nicholas, with Jan once again narrowly in front. On the final straight to earn third place and a podium finish for Nissan. The marketers win, the end. Uh, I think that was a lesson. Um, So, so, yeah, for uh, people listening that might not know uh, Ben's touched on it, uh, this is a story based on uh, the real life Jan Mardenborough, who is British and a professional racing driver and in 2011 became the third and youngest winner of the GT Academy competition, beat out a bunch of entrants, and he's had like a whole career. So even though he had no previous motorsport experience, just played sim racing video games, he finished finished on the podium at 24 hours of Le Mans which we saw in the film and has won races and competed for titles and yeah and he also
2: should I go over over the list real quick
0: yeah you go over the list. I'll just add he also served as a co-producer stunt driver and consultant in this film as well
1: oh that's cool oh it just got even more ratings from me
2: (laughs) <laughs> so he in 2011, he no, in 2012, he won. He had two victories in the British GT Championship. He had four races in the Endurance Series Pro Am. In 2013, he got third place in LMP2 class in the Le Mans 24 Hours under Greaves Motorsport, where he dro- uh, drove where they used a Nissan engine for that chassis. In 2014, he competed in Le Mans 24 Hours again in, in lmp two where he finished fifth um he also got two wins in the gp3 series um with (lkunk) with one victory in the toyota racing series on the guards motorsports he had three victories and seven podiums and finished second in championship for that season in 2015 was the uh, Le Mans 24 Hours where he actually competed in the highest racing class, which is LMP1, in under using the ill-fated GTR LM uh, GTR LM Nismo, which didn't finish the race unfortunately, and got one win in the Endurance Pro-Am Series. 2016 he got. One win and two podiums in the Super GT Championship in Japan under the GT 300 class, and he competed and got one fastest laps in the GT 500 series in the GT Super GT Championship and Super Formula, and he's uh, competing with Team Impol. And after that, it's a bunch of Formula E testing stuff from 2019 onwards. So he's had quite the career.
0: Had a full, full career. That is, that's that's really inspiring.
2: And he's still active. By the way, he because he can yeah. in the Super TyQ, Super Ty-Q, uh, uh racing series, which is basically a ja- it's a Japanese racing series where they have something like nine different classes of cars, and mm. like the track consists of like sixty plus cars on the grid, and it's like it's multi class madness basically. <laughs> um, and uh, he's running for Helm Esports, uh, Helm Motorsports.
0: That's cool. It's just like hearing and then, just seeing. Like I love when because I'm not necessarily super into. Uh, Most sports, but just I like hearing when there's something where you feel you've got some idea, but in as Ben has just explained, there's a whole world within it, and that's really cool. Um, really cool to hear. And what's been nice to hear from everyone is just like the response uh, to this film, which, including myself, I kind of expected because there's like um, an interest in like you know the the underlying story, and particularly for uh, Miyuki and Ben in the sport itself. So as I was putting the notes together, I was curious to know what the, I guess, the, the non-gamey uh, perspective is. And I found a, a review on Polygon, um, which wasn't as convinced as we all seem to be about the merits of this film. So I've just got a quote here who from Ollie Welsh, who mentions about the film that, and just like Tetris, which itself had a recent sort of real-life adaptation it strays, uh, talking about Gran Turismo, it strays pretty far from both truth and plausibility in its overcooked take on real-life events, then self-consciously frames those events with video gamey graphics to remind everyone of their unreal inspiration. Like, Miyuki, I think you and Ben both touched on this, this idea of a real-life story, but obviously having to take creative license in adapting it to for a film audience. So, like, in your opinion, I mean, what do you think of that? Characterization, but also what how much license do you give films that are based on the true story to move things around? And does this film get that balance right in your opinion?
3: I didn't really know of the story before watching the movie. Mm. So um I knew like I knew of it, but I didn't know it super in depth. So when I watched the movie, I was like, this is really cool. And I'm the kind of person that goes, Oh, this is on a true story. I'm gonna do some research. And like I didn't see a lot, a lot on it. So I think um, Ben is going to have more um, to say about it, obviously. Um, But I feel like there is a line of, if you follow the true story perfectly, the movie would be too long. So and Uh, I read somewhere, I don't know how accurate this is, because I can't remember the source, but he actually had a decent relationship with his dad and his dad was actually quite supportive. Whereas switching it up for the film of him not really being supportive of that makes it, I feel like obviously not realistic for the actual like story, but also realistic in terms of there's always that speculation of, oh, gamers need to go outside kind of yeah. thing. So I feel like putting that into the movie makes it more relatable. So the people who don't necessarily know the story as well, like I didn't at the start really I wouldn't say super related to that, because uh, I don't really get told to go outside, which is lovely. But yeah, I feel like that makes it more relatable. So people will watch that more. Whereas if he had a great supportive dad, that would kind of make that point kind of redundant, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you're taking away the drama and the conflict.
3: Yeah. So people love drama. So you kind of need that to bring it in. But they do keep as like from what I read, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm saying from what I read, cause I've, I'm questioning everything <laughs> I know now. Um, <laughs> so, so from what I read, it was like kept as accurate as possible. Like the crash was pinpoint accurate from what I saw and read online. Again, not fully trusting that anymore. Um, <laughs> wait to hear. It was, it was,
2: it was relatively, I'll go into it more later, but it was, it was re- relatively accurate.
3: I'll let you talk in depth about that part. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like there's a fine line, and I feel like they were good with it. But again, it I feel like you've got more of a insight to that if you know the story before you go in. Because if you know it after, and you do the research, it can be a little skewed, if that makes sense. But for me personally, as someone who didn't know the story beforehand, I think they did well. I think they did pretty well. Um, but yeah, I feel, I'm really interested in hearing Ben's side, though.
2: Yeah, do you think, Ben, do you think it's got,
0: got the line right?
2: The whole thing with the with his dad is pretty interesting because that was actually kind of the relationship that me and my mom had like how it was in the movie she was really didn't see why i played games and stuff like that i could have done so much better stuff with my life and all that mm. sort of stuff that whole thing i was like damn i feels like going back like 20 years what the hell <laughs> so that was that was um that was a moment um i'm sure but-
0: for a lot of people as well it's familiar
2: yeah, it it really is. Uh what's also interesting is that um a lot of, so a lot of the things with the story is is a bit is also the the thing is is that the story had to adapt for modern times too. Mm. And I think a lot that's kind of lost in translation sometimes because obviously, oh, at the time when the GT Academy first came out, there wasn't actually a GT game for the PlayStation Three at that time. So they released the GT Academy as a sort of a side project, as a sort of prologue into Gran Turismo Five, and basically it was a pretty big thing when it came out. So in the, in the movie and stuff like that, he had to run back and stuff to race online and stuff. But they actually, from what I remember, I. They didn't actually have a race online to qualify. Actually, okay. I think they all had to had to race in person because the network infrastructure for it wasn't set up yet. So they had to actually go go in person to race to see who qualified to go into GT Academy and stuff like that. So all of that done was done over land, from what I remember. So it's all of that sort of stuff because it's you've had to adapt it for modern times. To obviously changes the flow of the story. Uh, the thing is about the. I think the crash itself is probably one of the most important things that has moved. So since we've already covered the crash already, the crash actually happened considerably after when he got his license. So it happened like, I think it was a a year or two after. And the crash at the Nürburgring was basically, it was a one-off racing event and i'm not too sure if you know anything about cars especially about gt3 cars but gt3 cars have a for the how heavy they are they have a considerable amount of down mechanical downforce which means that if any sort of wind gets under them they'll just flip basically right. so because of that the race engineer that was with him while i had to double check to see if the if what he was telling was accurate but as far as i'm aware the crash that he's referring to it, luckily, no one died from it, but he's referring to, I think he's referring to the Le Mans of 1999 when the Mercedes CLR in practice, because the car had so much downforce and also the Maussan Straits used to be a bit hilly. Basically, the car flipped in the air, flipped three or four times before landing off track into a tree, basically. And that happened twice running up to the event. So they had they basically canceled they basically DNF the car before the race even started, but incidents like that used to happen all the time. The Porsche 911 GT One I think flipped at Road Atlanta during IMSA as well that same year, so it had a tendency of happening quite often. So what he was saying, while it might not have been a true event that he was speaking about, the risk that he was talking about that was also is very true, and it happened a lot at the time if you're taking reference to when he was racing about 25 years prior to now, which is basically yeah. when all this stuff used to start happening. And a good example of Jan's trauma from that, and I know this is going to be a question about the crash a bit it being tasteless coming after looking at the notes, is that when Uta, we referenced the movie Rush before, Niki Lauda's hesitancy to drive is basically what drivers go through when they've had an incident like that, if mm. that makes sense. So it's, it's a trauma, pre-
0: right? Yeah,
2: yeah, because you 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 never know what's going to happen, right? Mm. It's it's one of those things. But to answer the original question, because I've gone completely off tangent now, <laughs> um, is that yeah, you sort of have to take liberties from it because it's it's being modernized for the modern day as well. You have to make it so that people are able to consume the said media, right? You have to mm. change things to allow people to watch it or understand. watch it in a way and understand it. Yeah, because motor racing is really really complicated, yeah. like. Most people kind of know a bit of stuff like street racing. F one is also really popular because of how much money is involved in yeah. it. I
0: mean, most people want Fast and Furious, so yeah, like...
2: and Fast and <laughs> Furious. Most people don't really go into motorsports beyond that. And yeah. if you're looking at the motorsports that Gran Turismo touches upon, which is touring cars, GT three, GT fours, and World Endurance Championship stuff, most people don't know about that. So you have to make it in a way where it's easy to consume, it's easy to understand. So you, you have to play with it a little to get people engaged. That is very, very
3: true because my um, knowledge on other things other than F1 is very limited. I want to learn more about it, but like you said, there is a lot about it. So even in F1, F1 is fairly complicated too. So just one is enough.
1: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. I think... I completely agree like you have to it wouldn't make like if they spent too long on so many different things like details (laughs) about how cars work (laughs) or you know like adding all the races in between you know they had to skew the story a bit and you know Mm. you know maybe like merge some race instances like races to make it flow right yeah so I feel like I feel like this might be a bit of an unfair statement weighted against it because it has video games in it yeah I did think but that's that. what it feels like to me because both truth and plausibility I mean it felt pretty plausible to me <laughs> 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 and sometimes you've got to add like when you're telling a story even though if it is based on a true story and it's about a person sometimes you have to bring other people's stories into that story and combine them Mm. to create a more relatable story and more like drama like with the with the um with the dad like we've already said like that's a very relatable story like not just for people who play video games, but also yeah, for creatives mean, yeah. or like it's anyone a, tracing a their dream where, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where the parents like, doesn't agree with their choices, mm. you know? And it seemed like I, hearing what Ben said about it, I like that. There was the moment where the dad's like, it wasn't that he was just trying to protect him. And I feel like that sort of brought it back to what now I know is the, the real, real sort of story of, of the dad yeah was really supportive and i so i think it's sort of like balanced it out of like here's what most people probably experience but also like the dad's supportive he just was scared <laughs> yeah i think that's a,
0: that's a good word to to use because I, again we said it but it's like very familiar and for you know we speak to a lot of young people and like parents uh, as well and it's that reoccurring thing of like first of all parents want the best for the child so I feel like a lot of this comes from I just want my child to be like safe and secure and be able to earn their, their way through through life and then there's a layer of I want them to do what's familiar to me and they also represented that because uh, Steve knows football and I appreciate that as a football fan but he's like play football because that's what I did that's what <laughs> that's what I understand why can't you be more like your brother he plays football I play football we play football we don't do this video game mm-hmm. thing I feel that's a, an an aspect to it that's also relatable but i tend to agree with the balance it's it's um because when i was like pulling things together and and reading other thoughts i didn't want to do the the instant knee-jerk reaction of like oh people don't get video games but i did feel there was (laughs) there was some of that because the criticisms i was hearing weren't necessarily specific to this film but like a just like a hollywood film for hollywood thing of taking like a real story like obviously making it more you know digestible for uh audience that might not be expert and then you know taking liberties and and i didn't i didn't see anything like egregious that i haven't seen in, an, in another film so yeah i i felt that uh, as well I, I thought they they did what they needed to do to tell this mm. story and i don't feel it was necessarily like disrespectful to the to the real life story i think that's the that's near about the mm. line where you want to you don't want to disrespect what the real life thing was but also you need to change things to tell this story
1: and the, the the bit of that that also bugs me is with the the video gamey graphics to remind everyone of their Unreal inspiration. <laughs> I am sorry, you are clearly not a gamer because sometimes I see life with video game overlays yeah. <laughs> because it helps me to understand the world better. I <laughs> and think I pretty, loved um... that about the film. <laughs> that was one of the things that kept reminding me. Oh yeah, this is about a video game. Maybe.
3: I feel like those graphics were really well done as well. Like the transition between the different graphics and stuff like that. I thought it was so good. I I really, really enjoyed it. I was like, my brain is happy right now.
1: There There was the moment where he was in the qualifying race when he was playing in the yeah, like, gaming in the- arena. And, you know, like the car builds out around him. Do you yeah. know what I really appreciated that, about that? Is that he they kept his, shoe. his shoes off just yeah. before and they kept his shoe <laughs> <The> off. <shoe on. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> they kept his shoe, literally. I like, so my mind, could. I was like, I like that. I like that, <laughs> like, that they didn't, because it just... it it added to that seamless like blending and also like the captures the feel of what it's like playing a video game for people that might not play like i am someone that can get really absorbed into a game and it does like you you fall into it right you are now in the game and then i like that they then done it in reverse in one of his races and yeah and then i was like yeah and it looked good it was done well gosh
3: it was done I really think, I feel,
1: well it done really well I feel like there's films that are not related to video games that have sort of done that kind of like it's normally when someone's trying to figure something out and they're like using their brain to imagine like some sort of overlay around like the in
0: world like The Good Doctor
3: have you seen The Good Doctor?
1: no I haven't but now I want to watch it
0: <laughs> oh I haven't seen either
3: so very briefly autistic doctor like incredible incredible mind he will be like um working on a patient and then he'll literally look up and then he will see just everywhere the anatomy, anything that he's read before kind of thing. And it's all like a massive like overlay, like in front of Mm. him and stuff like that and around him. And it's incredible. And the characters end up calling it, oh, it's just the Sean thing. And it's like (laughs) it's like amazing. And the other characters, I love it when they try and do it as well. But it doesn't work for them because they don't have the right brain. But it's honestly, I would hundred percent recommend it. The earlier seasons are better than the later seasons, but it it's honestly, it's worth a watch.
0: Okay. Uh, ben, you were going to say something. Uh,
2: what's interesting about the graphics is, and that sort of criticism about it, it's not realistic. Is that if you look at sim racing now, there's a lot more sim races that are into that are in real racing. So uh, two races because uh, the Gran Turismo League season happens like. Uh, once a year, where they actually have a competitive eSports system. Um, and two of them, Igor Fraga and Miyazono, I think it is, both of them compete in Super Formula Series in real-life racing. And it, the whole thing of it's uh, not believable, and you compare the differences, not the differences, but the sort of blend between sim racing and real racing in this day and age, is actually relatively, not similar, but they sort of go hand in hand now. So it's, so I kind of think a comment like that is a bit egregious, especially when you look at the current situation of like sim racing or motor racing as a whole. And to say, sort of say that without sort of applying that sort of logic as in maybe there's something to it sort of thing. Cause you can't see what the person sees when they're driving that car. Mm. So, and the whole thing about in Jan's head is that he sees it a certain way to figure out, a, figure out the situation. Yeah, but if sim I mean- was, If other sim racers can do it. So what's, There's nothing wrong with (laughs) his way of seeing it. And obviously, considering that he's track records, he's an incredibly fast driver. So, you know, it works, I guess.
1: And also, you have to somehow visually, you have to somehow make visualisation of someone's thought pattern. Like, (laughs) there's no way of us. The audience. (laughs) That's why it's a film. It's a creative piece. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the job of movies <laughs>
0: to yeah, visualize it's...
1: the things that we cannot visualize never mind clearly they don't know what movies are for
0: but yeah this is some uh, <laughs> some uh, hating going on there i feel but but in terms of like the getting into the story so as we said like this is a this is an underdog story and i feel like it got to your point as you like making it understandable for this the audience that's going to watch it like people understand the underdog uh, story and then using the specific elements to, like contextualize like this racing environment uh, in particular so we see yan having to overcome like doubts around him which i I uh, appreciated but also what like these doubts within him so his own doubts in the pursuit of this goal i think were there were multiple times along the way where we see him like you know if i fail like i'm just going to prove everyone right about my interest my pastime my pursuit and i wonder for for everyone did you because the, the key thing for the underdog story is that you root for, the, for the underdog and you want to see them succeed and did you find yourself rooting for jan in those opening scenes or did it take a while to warm to him or how did you feel about him as a as like the protagonist
1: i was rooting from the moment from the get-go <laughs> <laughs> even when like when they get pulled over by the police that whole time, I was like, "Oh, it, I knew God he was going to go yeah, yeah, do it. I believe in this you. Guy. <laughs> You've this got guy was the, the <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can see those wheels turning. No pun intended, but in his head, it's like he's he's going to floor it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Ben Muki, that how did you find like your relationship with with Yan in the beginning and how the film was laid out?
2: <sighs> how should I put it? It's I think the key things for me as a character is um, I guess the whole thing with his parents is um, that I found relatable. So Mm. for me, I'm like, you know what? I understand. Like I immediately, (laughs) you know, I, I get it. Like I really do like that sort of hit home for me in terms of I guess since I, I knew the story anywhere, sort of had a for me in the back of my head. it's was like, well, okay, the whole thing about sort of the qualifying race. Okay, yeah, you're going to win it. That's the only way the story moves on. To be honest with you, but one interesting part I found is when he said that the brakes were glazed. Like oh that. yeah,
1: um, yeah, and yeah. The I love thing that. is,
2: and the thing is, is that that's that's a like that's a real world problem. Like when mm. that happens, and um, and I've had that issue myself. When i'm doing sim racing and it might be a car setup problem it might be the load cell on my pedals uh, are acting weird it could be so many different things but to sort of say that i think and he's like also it's, it's a little bit implausible for the fact that like he said oh yeah the brakes are glazed and the other guy's like well what how would you get it and then the guy was like actually yeah no they're, they're glazed <laughs> and they're like there's a part of it that makes you go do you know what i Fair enough, right? <laughs> Fair enough, right?
0: Do you know what? Because that's the bit that, like, again, for the the audience that doesn't necessarily understand like the details of cars and what it specifically means to have the the brakes glazed. What it it said to me is that you've got this character Jack who does not think any of this <laughs> is is credible. Just he's just here because he hates the other place even more, and he doubts Yan, especially at that moment because they've crashed. So he's like, "See, they can't do it." But he that moment is like yan saying i i know this and i know it as maybe as well as as you and proving to him when you know they confirmed that he was right that's like the moment in the story was like okay the the mentor character has more respect for this this kid he's like okay cool there's there's something there because not everyone would know that and he was right so i from a storytelling perspective as well that that part i really enjoyed
2: and at the the, do you know that that Real stuck-up driver. The, the American, driving, not the American dude. The one that's driving the gold Lamborghini. Oh, the oh, German. Yeah, was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. he? So,
0: I, assu- I don't know. I assumed German. They, Is he German?
2: They didn't really give his nationality. actually. No, he didn't.
0: No, I just assumed that. Okay, I'm gonna adjust my uh, own biases. But yeah, continue.
2: So the so do you know the so the two incidents that he gets into the one where he hits him at the start, mm, right? Yeah. If in the real race, the stewards would have penalized him for that hard. Right.
3: I was thinking that. I would that assume
2: made, yeah. That,
3: that, like, frustrated me a little bit, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Like, that that like, wouldn't would be allowed! That would be a very strict penalisation sort of thing. I did question that. I was yeah. like, <laughs> <it's>,
1: I was <laughs> in that
0: this loud. extremely dangerous <laughs> yeah.
2: Sport, yeah. that's allowed? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and, and I kind of think, I, I think where the movie could have done better is to sort of catch how like basically give penalizations for that. sure he might not have come the place where he needs to but the other that that should have been an immediate strict steward talking to like she'd be like right yeah look sorry you got a time penalty you can't be doing none of that and also the when he sort of ran the car when he sort of ran Jan's car against the wall that's a black flag you cannot do that in racing you absolutely cannot do that if it's a black
0: flag like you're you're off Oh, Is that like a red card of yeah. football? You might have to translate things into yeah, football.
2: Because, yeah. so it, at worst, you'll get a stop and go penalty for it. But okay. if you're purposely doing that and considering the situation the two cars are in, if the, he did that for way too long, he was in the sight. He had uh, Jan's car in sight, so he knew that he was there and he kept that car along the wall enough to do damage. That's an immediate, that's a disqualification. Right. So he would never been able to get away with that. So I kind of feel that those two moments for me are probably, ironically enough, the weakest parts of the movie. But I kind of think that it's... I can understand because there's a lot of people in motor racing that they were right. And Hamilton has talked about this as well on his rise up to motor racing, especially since Jan's mixed race and everything. Not, you're, there's not many black or black descendant drivers in motor racing. It's super rare. Yan's mm. uh, a part of a very, very, very small club. And the thing is, is that there are some drivers, or especially paid drivers or drivers that have lots of money or have family that are in it, that are that stuck up, that do act like that, that do race like that. And from that perspective, for me, I could understand that because not only is, is that aspect in real racing, but that aspect is actually in sim racing. There's a lot of times in sim racing when you go into subreddits and stuff like that, this very elitist sort of thing. And people will do that to you. So that bit for me was the most relatable sort of thing was the fact that someone was willing to ruin your race like that because yeah obviously the stewards should have got involved and stuff like that but people would genuinely do that
0: that's uh, so yeah i guess that's that's when you you know approach that line the things that aren't realistic in the the real sport but then play for the story and make sense to the story, and then it adds to the you know because that guy was like the almost like the villain for multiple characters so it adds to his villain role of like you can't do that and now we hate you and now we want to see you uh, go down so it is always a balance and actually speaking of balance what i also found interesting in this is so you had different themes in the story and one of them is like the doubters and i feel the three main i guess the three main characters main protagonist danny jack and jan are all facing different types of doubt and they all need each other to succeed so you have this it's partnership by, I guess not by convenience because all they all opt into it. But I always like how like characters are introduced and what that says about them. So uh, we see uh, Jan alone in his room and we, I think, almost immediately see like his father. I think he comes in with a football. I think he comes in and is like, do you want to go and kick the ball around? And just see that disapproval. So we see that. We see Danny. It was interesting the way he comes in and he's, like he's getting a taxi to his meeting, and he's changing in the taxi, and he's speaking to this audience who are just have no conviction about what he's saying, and then somehow decide to give him the opportunity. And then, who I really liked was Jack. Like his introduction, where we see him in in that fancy elitist team and everything's like gold and there's like this cool music playing and then we go like down to under the car and and he comes in and it kind of like represents like where he is his like literal fall from grace where we now meet him when he's just low down and underneath like all this riches all this this gold of the car and for for those three like what did you think of the relationship between the three speaking of like rooting for Yan, did you did you like the relationship between those three characters and their motivations essentially? Because I found them, I found it like a nice dynamic between them because they kind of represented different things. But what did you all think?
3: I agree in that aspect that they represented different things. And what I loved was that I don't remember a lot from, I only really remember Yan and Jack. I'm really bad with names. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's only because their relationship stood out to me more than them as a three. They all had they all had a um like part to play, obviously, but that part really stood out to me because they both played a part in each other's character development. And I just I I'm I'm a sucker for like really, really like heartfelt like when two <laughs> characters like aren't like big on each other to start with and there's lots of doubts and then mm-hmm. they're suddenly like really really close and they really really help each other in growing yeah, as a reluctant
0: people. mentor yeah basically mm.
3: and I absolutely love that and it wouldn't have been the same without that relationship and that's what stuck out to me I don't I didn't really see them as a three to be honest so I just kind of saw them as like a business okay. guy who was thinking of like business and then but you know why oh, I see them as a three I see them as a three though no, I, I I get it, but I didn't really see it myself. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I I loved the whole like the the whole dynamic between all three of them because at first Danny has to convince Jack. Jack's not convinced and then reluctantly <laughs> joins on board. So at first we've got like Danny as the person who's like, this is going to work. This is amazing. This is great. And Jack's the one being convinced. And then uh, Jan has wanted to do this the whole time anyway and then he comes on board and danny is kind of like reluctant with him because doesn't think he's ready to do the whole you know he was facing... bad at PR. yeah he's bad at the <laughs> pr but at this point jack's like no this this is who you You promised me that I would have. (laughs) When you gave me the whole spiel, this is a spirit that you are appealing to. So (laughs) that's who I'm rooting for. But then Jack becomes really attached and is like very protective as well. And I think we noticed that with the crash, because when they're sitting in the hospital waiting for him to wake up, Danny's like, oh, you know, this isn't going to look great. Oh. There's going to be investigations. And Jack's just like, that's what that's you're what thinking is. about right now? And then Danny's kind of like, you see him like reassess himself. And then when we get to the the big 24-hour race, they're, uh, what position are they in?
0: Did I go down to ninth, <sighs> eighth or ninth or something?
1: But then Jan is like, no, like oh, no, I didn't beginning. come here to win. No, it's near, it's near the end because it's okay, that last leg because it is after okay, they have yeah. gone gone down after the pit stop like, thing. Yeah, it's like I'm not I'm not here to finish, I'm here to win. And at that point Danny's worried. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh, okay so the tables have turned and then I was I realized like how much they'd become kind of like a real team and I think mm. that also includes the rest of the team cuz there's yeah. like the moment with the mechanic as well. And respect. Yeah. Um, and because you see like the banter kind of, at first it's like, I don't think you are you should be here. And then it becomes like a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it becomes, okay, I can't even joke anymore because you're that good. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like outwardly acknowledge it.
0: Like I'll race with you anytime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, And you sort of see that grow.
0: And do you know why I, I agree with that? Do I, I, you know why I feel like Danny is... The part of the three, and it kind of for me, it represents like the video game industry because I'm uh, not to say he's like a favorite character of, of mine, but nothing happens without him. And it kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, the publishers, the obvious publisher, the, the video game publishers like we. And I say this when we're in a sort of context of like mass video game layoffs and people rallying against that corporate greed and that. And I, I agree with that, I feel that that is true. And but yet, none of the games we play happen without Danny without whoever he, he is someone greenlighting or pitching to green light some project to get the money made so that the developer jack can can work with uh, the thing so that the the player Jan can can do his thing and it's like it represented that tense <laughs> at time uh, conflict uh, conflict uh, full of conflict type relationship between the the money man The the I would say the like the developer the player but I feel it's important to see like that perspective in terms of what uh, Danny wants which is ultimately to sell more cars and then what he has to do who he has to work with so they all have to work with each other to get what they want but they all come at it from different perspectives and I I like that he was in there because I feel that's a important perspective to keep in mind as much as we might not like that type of person but.
1: (laughs) I think Danny was a nice version of that type of person.
0: It was it definitely like a smoothed those edges <laughs> um, <laughs> of that type of character. So, but yeah. So, I mean, we've we've spoken about the the crash and like how it was represented uh, versus the the real thing. And yeah, thank you, uh, Ben, for that like context. And in terms of the the story, like that was uh, I don't know because I was watching this and I felt like up until that point I, I was I was definitely in the story and I was I was feeling it, but that was like the closest to like, I'm watching a documentary and is, is this guy okay? I don't know. That was like a, cause the way they, they did that scene and just like, it went quiet. You see him flipped out, uh, flip up. And then the, cause you know, sometimes in films and not to say this was necessarily the type of film, but you'll see like a character go through like some crash, but you know, uh, it's, it's a film. It, uh, they'll be fine. They, they'll, they'll brush that off. But the way that flip happened, like that, you are not surviving that. Like, is this kid okay? So there's such a, like a dark, moment and then the way they they played it for i wouldn't say like motivation but it became part of the character's eventually became part of the character's like drive to to push through to ultimately win because you need that part of the underdog story which is the like everything you thought it was going well and then everything is taken away and now what now what do you do i don't know how everyone else felt about
2: i kind of feel that with the crash is if it's it's one thing the driver dying because that's your, that, that would be the driver's own personal actions, whether it might be a car failure or a freak, freak accident and stuff like that. Like, that's one thing. But to, for someone else that was not technically involved to pass yeah, away from that, yeah. hits a lot harder because you sort of end up with that survivor's guilt.
0: Yes. And he you, you showed
2: some of that. And the thing is, is that while that doesn't happen so often in road racing, what that does happen in is uh, rallying. When spectators are really close to the track, and And there's been multiple incidents of spectators dying and stuff like that because cars have gone off track and stuff like that and caught a spectator and stuff like that, it's happened. There's no wiggle room
0: in that. It's like they're right there.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, is that if you ever want to, if you ever want a watch, the documentary of the Group B class cars, which are basically the super powered rally cars that were had. As much power in i think it was even the 90s or early in, or the late 80s they had as much power as a as a gt1 styled road car and these were blitzing through rally tracks and if you've ever seen a rally track and how dangerous there are sharp turns blind corners huge jumps water everything and it got into multiple incidents with spectators passing away because they're still too far the what ended the class altogether was the car driving off the side of a ridge and the car literally just exploded. Wow! And oh, um, it gives you an example about how dangerous motor racing is. And then they sort of say that it's taste. It, the thing is, it's hard to say that it's tasteless because at the end of the day, it's something that you have to you have to negotiate with it. And at the end of the at the end of the day, Jan's going to be suffering from survivor's guilt, regardless, because at the end of the day, your own actions has caused someone else's life. If yeah, you, no, it's that's a, hard to take. It's a complete accident, or, but yeah. it's your yeah. technically, it's your fault, and. On top of that, when you look at the Le Mans race, he immediately realizes one of the people that he's racing at crashes.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: And you're like, oh, actually, that, can I do this? And it's not only that he just crashes, he went so off and, like, let's say, like, he lost the front end and the front end collapsed in and stuff like that, but he's okay. It was like, oh, yeah, it burst into it flame, flames. Which, yeah. Which, can happen in cars. A good mm-hmm. example of that is uh, Roman Grosjean's accident.
3: That was an insane crash. I was if you think yeah. about that, he was in the fire for a good, like, couple minutes, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: Something his whole like car split in half.
3: But the main part is he survived that, yeah. and it does show how far, like, they've come with the safety. And, mm. like, instantly, after that happened, sorry, just quickly, because I just love, like, this kind of <laughs> thing. Like, the safety side, that is, not the crashes when he went into the barrier he actually got stuck because the halo saved him but it also the barrier also got stuck so as soon as that was done they were instantly on it like so how can we improve the safety here how can we improve the um, barriers here and i think that's really important in motorsport in general because it is a danger it's very dangerous like back in formula <laughs> 1 back in the day they had people multiple people die during the weekends um like when there wasn't a speed limit in the pit lane people used to die all the time and it was just a normal thing but they're just fixing that more
2: and also there is present that crash that happened in le mans is actually reference to something else while it didn't necessarily set on fire alan simonson in the aston martin vantage gte he died in 2013 in the le mans 24 hours and it was only Mm. eight minutes into the race where he died because his roll cage collapsed, the impact of the car, because basically his car lost traction over the curbs, ran into a barrier, and the impact was so hard that the actual chassis of the car collapsed in on itself and crushed the roll cage, and he died from his injuries later because the impact was so hard, and they immediately changed how the track worked to make sure that doesn't happen again. And that was only in 2013, so that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. so it's yeah motor racing like to have that sort of effect in the middle of the race where you see that happen because it wasn't one of those things where it happened behind him it happened directly in front of him so he saw that car go into the barrier he saw that car catch fire like Mm -hmm. and you're like and it immediately hits you back as in do I Mm -hmm. want to go home tonight sort of thing it hits for it's a sort of two stage thing because you could say that oh yeah it's It only plays it for the crash because of the incident at the Nürburgring. But it's also immediately referenced back with the second crash at the Le Mans, which basically says this is really, really dangerous. And a lot of people tend to forget that with motor racing. Charles
3: Leclerc literally said this not too long ago. Um, He said when you get in a modern F1 car, you don't think of the danger. You just think, okay, I just need to race. Whereas... Back in the day, they they were aware of the um, the dangers and stuff. But because of the safety now, when Grosjean blew up, that was a huge wake-up call to all of the drivers being like, oh, yeah, this is dangerous. Because they didn't mm-hmm. really think about it anymore because of how much the safety is kind of improved. But, yeah, the people do forget how dangerous it is. And you think, oh, that will never happen to me. It's like in general, like... Like, say you take your car out now. You're like, oh, I'm not I'm not going to, like, get into an accident or anything. God forbid no one ever does. But, like, you just don't think, oh, it, will happen. it won't happen to me. But then when you see it happen, it's a massive shock.
1: Because mm-hmm. the crash, the, that crash was, like, the first point that I actually cried. Like, I'd been well enough so much. And then I was like, that's it. I can't not cry. Like, the emotion from his parents and everything was so intense. mm and then like i i think as well it was so important for a film about racing especially people going from sim racing to like real life racing because the the difference is you know there's no reset button is like just highlighting how dangerous it is and i feel like the film had to do that if it if it made any of the crashes if it didn't feature any crashes it would just be unrealistic if it didn't make didn't take the time to spend on the crashes i feel like it would have been a disservice
0: yeah it would have been like too smooth a journey and yeah
1: i think i mean not even just too smooth a journey i just feel like if you're i feel like just there's a responsibility to show like yeah by the way this is you know even though this film is all fun and games, like yeah, yeah. what this we're talking really about is, is is genuinely really dangerous. Mm. And then yeah, like I, this is gonna sound really. This is really hard to phrase without making it sound bad. I really love how they showed his trauma, like trauma response, and then how that whole process happened. Um, can't say that I've had like you know high speed car accident trauma but i have had a lot of other trauma and that relating to witnessing or like something bringing that trauma back up and that like just spacing out like you just completely disconnect and you do kind of slow down whatever you're doing everything you so like you're suddenly very aware of everything and sometimes you just need someone to do something really annoying to you to like
0: some kenny g yeah
1: (laughs) sometimes you just need someone to like shock you back into reality Mm. and so like that whole like emotional like ride was i think it was at least to me it was well done because i could relate even though that wasn't a specific trauma i'd experienced if that makes sense
0: no, I feel that, like the after effects of the initial trauma, because you can have a mm-hmm. film where like they have the trauma and then the character bounces back and then they're, they're yeah. on their way. But yeah, to, to like, revisit that. Like, great, it, they've got effect. over it
1: now. Yeah, because yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. i know. <laughs> going to live with you. <laughs> years, years later and it's still, still there.
2: There was actually a pretense to it in the movie, because when that race, when the guy that he was rivals with crashed because he like overcooked mm. it into a corner. And the thing is, is that, Yan actually referenced it when he like confronted him. He was like, yeah. Are "You crazy? Are you trying to mm-hmm. kill?" Yes, I, yes, he was like, You're "You trying
1: to kill me? You could have, you could have killed me. Someone else. You could have killed mm-hmm. someone else. You could have killed." Mm-hmm. Your- he even said, "Like you could have killed yourself."
2: And he sort of just brushed it off because he's kind of like, "Well, at the end of the day, like, why? Like, it's not that important." But uh, the thing is, is that that reference sort of references two things: is that that incident is basically what happens when you get so competitive you don't pay attention to what's around you. Because Mm -hmm. the incident that he had would have been very simple if he was solely concentrating on the uh, spatial awareness, which is really important. Mm. And because he didn't concentrate, he ran straight into someone at high speed. Mm -hmm. And he was sort of nonchalant about it after because he was like, well... Like it's your fault for impeding me, but no, technically it's your fault because you overcooked it into a corner. Yeah, mm. and also, European arrogance.
1: And because Jan like was like, "What is he doing? What like he's going too fast?" I think that moment also demonstrates like a Jan's like awareness of how dangerous mm. what he's doing is, and B just demonstrates like his skill and knowledge at this point because it's still quite early on.
2: And also, the, the wheel through the window has gone. That a will has gone through a window and killed someone in motor racing. Wow. So the fact that he was able to survive it was it just it bounced off he is saying that you're this close because if that will went through that that uh window, then yeah, they, they, that's, that, it. that's it. So I think
1: yeah. they like mentioned it as well. They were like, I think Jack was like, Are you okay? Like, talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we wanted to check. There's I'm pretty sure there's a Netflix, there's a show on Netflix that is just crashes in race racing.
0: Wow, that stands grim. <laughs> yeah, it's an
3: interesting watch, but terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's not like glorifying them, it is like going like breaking them down like what what went wrong sort of thing. Okay. Like analysing them. But yeah, if you
0: Yeah, there's a there's a lot and If you like
1: analysing crashes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Netflix has got you. Um so and weirdly, it is a weird thing, but when he first started playing like Kenny G and he had the hit, 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 so on, I don't know, because I don't even listen, necessarily listen to Kenny G like that, but I just knew that was Kenny G. I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that. Anyway, so with the, like the visual effects, we've spoken about how they like depicted the races and watching it i was reminded of a couple like reference points uh, i don't know if anyone's seen uh, the queen's gambit which is a show about chess <laughs> basically i know this is a weird comparison but stick with me where that ge- uh, that game is a slow moving game so again nothing necessarily like racing but it's a game of intricacies and i remember watching it and thinking like oh they've they've taken special measure to show the the story the emotion of this thing that not everyone will necessarily understand or get and particularly with that show it's about like a chess prodigy so she's seen things that just even a good chess player great chess player wouldn't see so it's like how do you convey it to the audience and for them i remember they focused on like the eyes of the two players and the emotion and the reaction whereas here again it's like an intricate uh sport and it's like how do you show that for uh, for people who might not be into the sport, and we've talked about how they've done some of it, and then you have like the I guess this is where you bring in the video game <laughs> element. So you, you had like the the pass, you had like the overlays to show like oh he's he's fir- he's fourth, and now he's third, and and moving up, and like the line, and I like that. And then we've talked a lot about like use of CGI. I've already mentioned Marvel in this podcast, but the practical effects as well really puts you in. The race and the other reference i had was top gun maverick which i don't know if anyone saw but that was a great film i feel that was one of the uh, the best films of that year surprisingly
1: i've still not watched it i've it's watched it like really six good.
3: times
0: it's a, good, it's, it's a really good it's really good, good. Like, it's, a very it's, good movie. Uh, it's very
3: good
0: it's very i'd argue it's one of the best sequels my, ever. my dad
3: especially has watched it like 10 billion times every time i walk it's, downstairs it, it's just on i'm like cool. yeah <laughs> I have
1: only heard good things about it, and now it's just making it a lot of pressure. to
0: oh, Yeah, I know. It's I'm, but Ooh, I'm just the yeah, pressure. just uh, saying. Like, it. It it's like it's great. You know, I mean, we're not here to talk about Top Gun, but I would argue like it's a it's a pitch perfect sequel. I'm not saying it's the best film ever, but just yeah. anyway. Um, what was I trying to say? Oh yeah, because <laughs> in Top Gun they actually flew the planes, and I remember watching. And I'm like, because I watched in the cinema as well, and I'm like, I'm I'm in this plane, I'm in this. Whereas with CGI, you. It's just that disconnect you feel like it's not really there but when you're when you're actually flying the planes you're there so here when they're actually driving the cars you're there i really appreciate that effort to make to put you in the place and make you feel whether you understand racing or not you feel like the movement the the emotion the story throughout this um throughout this film so yeah definitely appreciate all that characters we've spoken about some of the characters does anyone have anything to say about some of the characters? I will offer something because uh, we talked about uh, Jan, Danny, uh, Jack, feel those were the, they got the most kind of screen time, most development. If I was going to knock this film for something, I'd say maybe the supporting characters weren't as developed. And, and the one that, I, I don't know if it's bugged me or I don't know, just felt something could have been done more was uh, Audrey. I don't know how everyone else feels, feel. Cause so mm. she was the, the love interest. And I, I like what she represented, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Did she need to be in it more? Is it just me? It, it, no, feel, it felt I, undercooked.
1: I feel it, like I if agree. she was in it more, it would have just been like too much about his love story with her. I'm sorry, but no, we get it. He liked to go on it, it, like unfollowed her Instagram, flew her over. We don't really need, <laughs> that's not part of the story. It's not part of his journey. Yeah.
3: Like, <laughs> like, we don't need relationship drama in it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely.
1: just me then fair enough enough. like it's just I don't think it has any more relevance to the story sorry Audrey Uh, I'm sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess the the reason I said it just yeah it just is it left me feeling like she was a prop and I guess that's what what's the thing but Mm -hmm. fair enough
1: but also like I feel like and again, I don't watch racing, but I, I did date a guy for long enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always more interested in people. I feel like that, you know, in the terms of the story that was being told, and mm. I mean, any kind of sports person, you know, like has a girl on their arm. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to follow that. Maybe she can have her own story, TV series. I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, the spin-off.
0: Spin-off, yeah.
1: Girlfriends of sim drivers turn <laughs> racers. Um, That's an <laughs> anime title, yeah. there. Right. <laughs> but like, I just don't feel like having her more prominent more, okay. or having a built-up story. I think if anything, it would be the best friend. Yeah. I oh, agree, I mean, yeah. he was
0: hardly he did his bit and he's out, but because he, like he came back at the end. yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was.
1: introducing everyone. I want yeah, yeah. like if if any supporting characters had more like. More weight. I think it should have should have been him. He was like, and because especially being a, a gamer, you know, we do have our friends who also game, <laughs> yeah. and they're very very important, <laughs> True. like integral to, to at least in my experience, like integral people. Like, yeah,
0: okay, no, that's fair. Was were there any supporting characters that you felt like didn't get? I mean, you mentioned the the friend, but for anyone else, is there any were there any supporting characters that you felt like could have been sort of developed more, shown more, were you okay with, like, the level that uh, everyone else got compared to the main three?
3: I would have liked to have seen his mum kind of defend him a little bit more, mm. if that makes sense. Only because of... Okay, quite like, passive. Yeah, she is fairly passive. I feel like she should have stood up for him a little bit more. And I feel like as a supportive mother, I feel like it would be a case of, like stop being so hard on him, he's doing well, kind of thing, I get it's dangerous, like, just kind of diffusing the situation a bit more, rather than just kind of standing by. That's that's from like, experience, only because, like, I've had moments with, like, parents and stuff like that, where one parent has had to be like, look, I get where you're coming from, but calm down, you're not making the situation any better, you're making Mm. them sad, stop it, kind of thing, and I feel like, that was needed a bit more maybe like not essential but kind of just being a bit nitpicky kind of thing
1: mm. especially at the table when like the brother even like just oh yeah bullies him straight yeah. up I like that was my, my brother me. my mom would
0: have
3: shouted at me
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like what so big shot footballer i can't get a shout that though no? <laughs> <laughs> and
3: not also one of
0: these days
1: is, i'm sorry uh, but unrealistic dreams and then the opposite was
2: footballer
0: probably, yeah i um, know like the, the percentage of, of young people who are getting in breaking into professional football is, is single digits
2: i, I guess is, but is it the thing is is that he had the trial thing that's the thing right so it was sort of like established that he was like somewhat on the doorstep of that and also it's, it's probably still an unrealistic dream Oh, but it's for, it's for Cardiff, man. Like, you can only do so
1: it's much. are going to earn so much money. <laughs> like, but I get it as well. innit, like. I feel like it was also trying to highlight, though. I do get I'm going to defend it as much as I... Because I feel like it was trying to highlight how more unrealistic becoming a race car driver
2: oh, without the money is it's as well. Like so much harder being yeah. into motorsports. Like... Uh, Lewis Hamilton was talking about it as in how much money and how much time investment not only from parents to you have to get sponsorship because the thing is is that you don't have when, you do, when you're not in a family that already does motor racing because you, even stuff like go karting is like really expensive mm-hmm. like I have a couple of friends that do the competitive leagues and stuff like that and they're talking about teams that spend up to 40 50, 40 to 50 grand on mm. their go karts which is more than I make in a year which is to give you some perspective on those things, like set of tyres and stuff like that costs um, up to two and a half grand and you need multiple of them per race and stuff like that. Like even, and that's, Gokkan is the star of it and it's really, it's the real starting point and even that is expensive. So getting into motor racing is basically like, it's almost impossible.
1: Pay to win. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Yeah.
0: So with the... Because we always like to uh, cover themes in this and I feel like we've touched on on some of them, but I'll just pull up a few and then we'll do final thoughts. So one of the, the themes I really did like in this story is this idea of committing. And there's multiple points where Jan is told, I think specifically by Jack, but he has to commit. So the, before he crashed earlier uh, in the film and, and then later in the end. But it's like driving... Or even with Audrey uh, for the, one of the few times she's seen uh, in a film where like, and like, uh, yeah, kind of is that you? where I think it's Danny just says, just fire out, go have fun and like commit and and do that. And then Jack has one of my favorite lines in this whole thing where he says to Jan, this is when I think just before they go to Le Mans where he's like, and uh, Jan is having some doubt. And Jack says to him, like, I couldn't do it, but I know you can. Do you know you can? I feel that's such a that's such a good line, and it's so talk about like uh, relating to a line because that just applies to life. It's like you know sometimes you'll you'll meet people who like you know I believe you can do it, but you can only do it if you believe you can do it. And That's the most important thing. So I really like that this idea of like finding your own line. So I like the, the callback uh, we had earlier in the film, Jan explaining to his his father about you know why he uses his own driving line and then later on in the real life race he uses his own line it's like a, a metaphor again for life it's like you know make your own path uh, to get what you want and then we talked about like the, the idea of challenging like stereotypes in this case games being a waste of time so yeah as, as we like think about any final thoughts uh does anyone like how many themes they particularly relate to or any memorable impactful moments in this story that you know really stuck with you
1: I thought this was, like, an overall, like, go chase your dreams story. Um, and there was actually something that stood out really early on when they're at the train yard and uh, Jan's dad says to him...
0: Oh, this ah, is where you end up. What does he say? <laughs> but he,
1: yeah, he's like, this is where you end up when when you, like, fail your dreams. But he's like, so you might as well just go straight here <laughs> and... In my head, the most defiantness came to me and it like supercharged me already. And then obviously the rest of the film happened of <laughs> like, you have to chase your dreams because the idea of giving up on your dreams before you've even tried is insane. <laughs> mm. Like the fact that it was just like, yeah, just, just end up where you're going to end up if your dreams fit, you might as well just like fast track to the failure bit. And I was like <laughs> I was like, nah, yeah we got proven wrong.
0: Doing it, yeah, really. <laughs> Go, man, go.
1: Go to that race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Ben, how about yourself? Like, yeah, what's your takeaway from this? Anything that like really stood out that we might not have already discussed?
2: Um no, I think it's a lot of stuff has really been covered. It's I think the story doesn't try to Pretend that it's anything more than it actually is. Mm, So it is. I agree. Like Tazzy said, it's very chase your own dreams sort of thing. Don't give up. The whole concept about committing is pretty interesting in motor racing because it's such an important key of motor racing in general. And what's curious about is about committing in motor racing is because they're using multi class racing at the end and. There's a bit in the race, a bit in that race where he says you're considerably faster than the GT3 car, so you've got to commit to get past them, or something similar to that. And that's the key concept of multi-class racing, which is is it's got some really small tidbits of like motor racing advice in there. And you sort of have to commit because when you when you commit, you're predictable. And the best sort of person when you're as you're driving is to be predictable, because it means that everyone else is aware of your what you're doing and stuff because it's not just about you on track it's about looking after the other person so if the other person's aware of what you're, uh, you're doing then it's easy then basically everyone goes home and i think for me a key point is that when you're looking at the incident with the nurberg ring with the crash at the homo and the crash in the when he's trying to get his fi races is how important it is how important everyone else is and it's not just about the person in the car that's my personal takeaway from it Knowing everything okay. else about the story in advance, sort of thing. So
0: yeah, yeah, cool. All right, Muki, um, what about you? Is there anything like particularly memorable impact for anything you're taking away?
3: Um, it was the moment where his dad came in and finally said he was proud of him, and the fact that even though he didn't have his dad's approval through the whole thing, he still had that little sticker. And still, like, oh,
0: yeah, the car, ca- yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, and like carried it with him the entire time. I just loved how, despite his dad's disapproval, he still knew that it was because he loved him, he wanted him to be safe. So he still had that respect for him and that love for him. Cause you know, sometimes when someone's just like not supportive, you can kind of lose that. And I just, mm. cause I'm a very family person. And like in the sense of like, you can get annoyed at your family, you can disagree with your family, but that love is always there. And mm. I love how that was portrayed in the movie because it needs because in a way, I feel like it happens too often where families get broken when it's just because they care. And that was relatable to me because growing up, I'm hoping my parents don't hear this. <laughs> they were very overprotective, and there were points in my life where ah, I was okay, just yeah. like angry with them but it's only because they care. And yeah, I feel that. It's it's just really nice having that moment where he then goes, okay, I'm really proud of you. You've done it. I just feel like it was really impactful and relatable to me as well. So I really like that. But then yeah. it was Jan's
1: response to that. Oh my, I was in so much tears And then
3: Jan was like, no,
1: I'm proud of you. And yeah. I Like, <laughs> I was in tears. Like, Oh my god, I completely forgot about that. That was so beautiful. No, it was good to it see...
0: And it's good to see, like, like two men, like, just, like, father-son, just, yeah, being uh, open and emotional, and uh, that was cool. Yeah. No, that was, a, that was a really good moment. I... Oh, yeah, I feel that was a good moment. Uh, I'll say... I'll, I'll add something, and I did really like... So when Jan left the construction site of the railway or whatever, that was like, um, I'm out of here, I'm going, and he almost... He just made it, and <laughs> I, I did like that he just basically... Just jumped in as the race was happening and just ready to go and then won the race. Cause that's just like, that's just another moment of like, this guy is is good. He just came in, rolling start, just on it, take your shoes off, jump into it, just ready for anything. I feel like I always, I don't know, when I look at like themes and things, I was trying to relate things to life and just that idea of being just ready to go uh, and take advantage of the opportunity. Cause that was the opportunity. He wasn't getting another one. So just like, whatever the situation is, just shake it off. I jump in and, and do what you need to do so uh, i appreciated that good reminder so uh yeah i feel we enjoyed that that was a good that's a good uh good film solid film and yay for uh, corporate marketing so <laughs> uh listeners uh you can let us know what you think of this episode's story discussion yeah, season six, we're here, we're, we're doing this. So let us know what you think, studio77 at matter.com Let us know, and uh, yeah, we're gonna be doing this uh, throughout the year. So before we completely wrap, let's get to this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I do like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories. Uh, Maybe needs to learn a bit from this story. I might pick out some things. Uh, I'd like to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. For this episode, I wanted to discuss creating conflict through character motivations. So, this is something that I mentioned, we talked about briefly earlier on, just this idea of characters wanting the same thing, but for different reasons, which I feel Gran Turismo uh, does pretty well. So, character motivations just in general with storytelling, are the driving force behind it in any narrative. So it's like, what do your characters want and why? So they are internal desires, goals, and belief that drives a character's acting, actions throughout the story and allow the audience to connect with the struggles and aspirations of your protagonist. or so antagonists can work for, for them as well. So without that clear, compelling motivation, your characters might come across as flat and it'll be hard to make uh, characters that an audience will root for. So your motivations can range from like desire for power, and uh, love to the pursuit of justice or revenge. There's a whole like spectrum of things, but it's all about adding some depth and complexity to characters. And to implement this uh, effectively, you have to consider the personalities, the backgrounds and the stakes of your characters. And stakes are important to show. So we know, we the audience know. What the character's specific investment is in a situation and what they personally stand to lose uh, or gain uh, from the outcome so aligning character motivations are nice it's nice when people work together but introducing conflicting motivations adds tension and drama and as we've said people like drama Um, so you want to add some of that into your narrative and conflict is ultimately what makes a story interesting doesn't necessarily mean fighting but conflict um, in different forms and it's also what makes character motivations dynamic and compelling so you have this idea of characters with motivations that come from opposing goals or values and they find themselves entangled in the same narrative arc and it can manifest in in different ways so you can have conflict over desire for like limited resources or opposing ideologies or personal vendettas and It's one thing to create conflicting motivations for protagonists and antagonists, that's kind of an obvious thing. But what I found interesting from this story is creating conflicting motivations between characters who have the same goal. And in Gran Turismo we see Jan, Danny and Jack all working together to win races and qualify and eventually prove their GT Academy initiative as a success. So they're all working towards the same goal. But they approach it with very different motivations that conflict along the way. So Jan wants to turn his passion into a career so he's striving to show that video game skill and success can be translated in the real world. If he loses he might prove that people write that video games don't lead anywhere and there's nothing tangible about them in the real world. Danny wants to sell more cars and he sees the to his small game as a vehicle to tap into a new audience, which he basically says at the beginning. So he doesn't necessarily care about the game itself or the people who play it. Uh, but if he fails, his job may be on the line. And Jack wants a chance to redeem his career, which was cut short and show up the racing elite who think he has no real value anymore. So he has no understanding or care of the marketing side of things. and if he fails, he might prove people p- prove people right, that he's just an old, washed up has been. So they all want the same thing, but it's the fact that they want that thing for different reasons that adds a layer of drama and engagement to the story. And like, there's plenty of examples from uh, other stories. Uh, one we did in last season's episode, uh, last season, is um, Whiplash that revolves around this intense relationship between Andrew uh, Neiman, a uh, young, ambitious drummer, Terence Fletcher a demanding and very abusive music instructor. So Andrew wants to become one of the greatest great jazz drummers ever and Fletcher wants to produce one of the greatest jazz drummers ever. So they want the same thing but their conflicting motivations create this gripping but definitely definitely abusive relationship. And to use an example from uh, video games, uh, one of my favourites, uh, Mass Effect, where you play Commander Shepard, who recruits a diverse team to save the galaxy. But while the team is all fighting for the same thing, each squad member has a different motivation. So some align with the mission and others are driven by personal agendas and managing those conflicts and motivation becomes crucial to ensure like, the team's loyalty and makes for an interesting player experience, especially when you need to make tough decisions along the way. Very cool game if people haven't played it. Um, so here are four tips for implementing conflicting character motivations in your story. So number one is create well-defined characters. So developing characters who have distinct personalities, backgrounds and motivations. So all that backstory will help create clearer motivations and set scene for potentially compelling conflicts. Um, So another example similar to Mass Effect actually is Guardians of the Galaxy where you see Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, Rocket and Groot all with their own motivations. And we see how those motivations clash uh, for comedic and tense dramatic moments. Number two is align those conflicts with your themes. So you've got to know your story's themes and make sure any conflicting motivations align with those themes of your story. So it all adds to strengthen the emotional impact of your story. A good one is Death Note, which is uh, lots of conflict between characters. So we see Light and L, who on some level want the same thing, which is to go after people doing bad things, but conflicted, conflicting motivations um, and morals help strengthen the themes of morality, justice, and nature of good and evil. Number three is don't shy away from conflict. So as a creator, as a storyteller, I know it can be difficult to put your characters through difficult situations like fighting with each other, but don't avoid it because that's, it's interesting. Again, people like Dorma Mine, it's what keeps audiences engaged. And number four is to allow for growth and change. So characters should evolve as the story progresses and that should be influenced by the conflicts that they face. Um, so again, Guardians of the Galaxy, I mentioned you have lots of conflicts but that adds all those conflicting motivations among the team over time transforms into the shared goal and personal growth for many of the characters so if you're creating your own story let us know let us know what you think about this week's storytelling tip in our discord or send us an email studio77 at mymatter.com that's the tip for this story's episode tazzy let's check in with our guests
1: So after that thrilling discussion about uh, Gran Turismo, God, I learned so much, um, but we'd love to hear from our guests and every, of what each of you have been up to. And if you have any latest news or interesting projects you want to shout about, and we'll start with you, um, Miyuki.
3: I, my biggest project at the moment is organising a charity skydive for Cancer Research UK, mm. which mm. we finally have a date for. Technically not booked mm. yet, but the date's pretty much confirmed, so it's close enough. 27th of July, where I'll be live streaming, not the actual jump, the jump will be like just after, because we can't actually live stream us falling, but we'll be live streamed from Beckles Airfield. And we're going to be raising loads of money for charity. And I've got quite a few streamers involved. If anyone here wants to get involved, you can DM me and I'll give you more info. That's the people here. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that's my biggest project at the moment. And um, following a lot of the Formula 1 news. That's about it.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is an amazing project. It's like, who doesn't want to jump out of a plane for charity, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never wanted to jump out of a plane before. But like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do another 24-hour stream. So I wanted to do something <laughs> big and I don't plane have a plane. Instantly went. let's jump out of a plane and i was like that's not on your bucket list though but you know oh, you gotta face, your fears. You got a face <laughs> your fears well hit me up you want to join yeah yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll talk we'll talk we'll um talk, we'll talk. yeah no i'm such an adrenaline junkie so uh yeah jumping out of, i roller coasters don't don't quite do it for me anymore i love them but wow zero <laughs> adrenaline <laughs> yeah ben uh i'm guessing you're not also jumping out of a plane but i'm sure that you have some other interesting projects
2: i definitely wouldn't say that you've got basically like i could never do that you're like more the power to you like <laughs> i guess the only thing i'm working on is that oh i am completing uh competing in the um championship cms virtual world sports car championship over the year so i currently drive for mike bell Mo- motorsports team so i am doing some trying to do more competitive sim racing on the side i Ooh. previously ran as a solo entry having the mymada logo on the car <laughs> so if i can get it again for this year uh then that would be good yeah but uh, to be honest with you it's th- not that much it's weird being like retired from the event scene actually to be <laughs> so i don't really have that much going on other than some of some sim racing on the side to be honest so i can't say there's anything exciting for me i'm sorry
1: i feel like you have an anime title retired from the event scene sitting down and having a cozy life player do <laughs> <in motion.
2: laughs> <laughs> you know I, if that's the case then i'll have to get you on as a writer <laughs> But, uh, I uh, think no, like no, the no.
1: concept. Nigel will be better at writing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, nothing from me. I'm. I can say other than doing, uh, doing CMS. If you're ever into sim racing and stuff like that, uh, or you want to get more into, they don't necessarily do Grand Tours mode. They mostly focus on stuff like Assetto Corsa, iRacing, and an R Factor Two. Then that might be a good place to go. They always have races on every week and different categories and stuff. So if you wanted to get more information about the convergence of sim racing into real racing that's a pretty decent start but yeah other than that it's actually pretty pretty quiet on my end i mean i, I wouldn't say that's quiet but,
1: but
0: yeah it's a lot a lot of activity but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thank you both for yeah for joining us and giving us like all the all the context i was definitely missing uh, while watching <laughs> this story so appreciate you being here and then for anyone listening, if you enjoyed that, make sure that you subscribe to the Story X Story podcast so you don't miss a future episode and the chance to learn more about different topics that we're going to be covering over the year. You can also give us a five-star rating and review, which helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. We're also story creators, so you can discover our manga universe online. So all our titles are available at our online store, myamanda.com forward slash manga. And we are currently kickstarting our next title, Origins Against All Odds, uh, until the 26th of February, where uh, hopefully if you're listening after that date, it's been successful and we're working on a book. So check that out as well. Check out our Studio 77 Discord today as we work on bringing out a new membership and uh, giving you access to our video content that we put out on Twitch so you can watch us there as well. Um, digital comment, comic and illustration content as well well and we have our do i look like a gamer video game representation campaign in the works for this year so it's our yearly initiative for diversity and inclusion in the video games industry and culture we're working on this year's photo shoot and then we'll have a bunch of plans post-launch like events and activities to get involved with so check out the campaign website looklikeagamer.com to see more there and as for the podcast, we release new episodes on Thursdays and they include creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture. And you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is studio 77 at com, and our website with links to subscribe. Is myamanda.com forward slash story x story. So that's it. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe. And remember, Story x Story is the podcast where you can learn all sorts of intricate, detailed information about different topics. Today, I learned the room, room, go zoom, zoom, and marketing wins in the end. Take care, everyone.